So we uh, we turn here to uh, our James 5.13. And the first thing we want to start with is, okay, well, you know, sometimes when you read, you want to ask yourself, even starting a new chapter or certain places, oh, wait a minute, okay, who, who's writing this? Who's writing this, this uh, epistle here? Uh, uh, it's James. That's easy, isn't it? Who's, who's writing it? It's James. He had a nickname, and I've got it up there on your outline. Old Camel Knees. I don't think I probably really have to explain this, but James' first emphasis on this diversity of circumstances that one can be in and for prayer in all of those circumstances. I think James knows something about prayer. I think he knows something about it. According to church tradition, he had this nickname. And all the early believers of the, the early church, they, they knew this man by the name of Old Camel Knees. Uh, Old Camel Knees is at it again. <laughs> we can understand. Have you ever seen the knees of a camel? You ever seen that? You ever gone to a zoo? Uh, looks like old sacks of baggy flesh, you know? <laughs> Weird looking. And I know most men's legs are not worth looking at. Matter of fact, you don't even... Don't even want to look, you know. They have these men contest, uh, you know, their knees or their legs, you know, the, the men's legs contest. I'll tell you what, you usually will not see me in, in shorts for that reason. My knees are probably some of the ugliest knees you'd ever want to see. And I don't want to put that many people into uh, distress. <laughs> that's good. So, you know, that's that's why you usually won't see me in that condition <laughs> uh, give you eyes and rest <laughs> there um, at the same time this old camel knees he knows he knows prayer he knows God I think his name and his knees are worthy of mention James is worthy because he is a God but really his name reflected his life Reflected his whole life. That, that nickname really fit. He was known for his prayer life. Why was he known for his prayer life? What was it that motivated James to to pray? What was it that kept him always after God, pursuing Him? I believe it was because he had seen how prayer really changed things. Now, we don't change things. God changes things. But somehow... Prayer is a means that God uses for us to be able to follow Him. It's a great means that He's given. Um, and so what do you mean He saw things change? Well, if you remember in uh, the upper room, okay, if you want to go back to the book of Acts in uh, the very early days of the church, matter of fact, it's before really... Holy Spirit had come in in His amazing way that He did at at that time. There was an upper prayer room, uh, upper room praying time, and that they had actually since Jesus had ascended, and uh, there were 120 of them. And it says in verse 14, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Brothers there is talking about his kin. They, you know, 
He had half-brothers. One of them happened to be by the name of James. So, James was there. James was praying. James was there whenever the Holy Spirit came upon all those early believers of these 120. Power. Power of the Holy Spirit came like nobody had experienced before. The Holy Spirit has always been there. How can anybody do anything without the Holy Spirit? But there's another level, a step that happened that Jesus had promised that uh, you have to receive power when you're going to go take this gospel out. Peter became a different man at this time. Matter of fact, all the apostles became different. James is one of them. He saw the power of prayer right there. Early days of the Jerusalem church, you can imagine how it was growing by the thousands. They were praying. They were they were meeting daily, praying, reading the uh, scripture, getting uh, revelation from the apostles. The church is growing. Jerusalem church, and he saw what was happening. He was part of it. He was a praying man. And then. There was another one, I think a really good example. Everybody likes this. It's, it's almost humorous. It's in Acts 12. <clears throat> Peter's been imprisoned. <laughs> the angel comes and lets Peter out. Peter just goes right through the door and goes to the big prayer meeting. They're all praying for Peter. You guys remember that part? Yeah. We pick it up at... Um, Verse 16. But Peter continued knocking. He comes to the house there. And when they had opened the door, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had led him out of the prison. And he said, Report these things to James and the brethren. Then he left and went to another place. A bunch of people there praying for him. As a matter of fact, when he first came there, they couldn't believe it was him and shut the door in his face. <laughs> like he was a Jehovah's Witness or a something. <laughs> and uh, you know, he knocks again. They come and it's just like he's a ghost or something, right? And then Peter said, Hey, go tell James about this. <laughs> Oh, wow, can you can you uh, imagine? Well, these are some of the things that James experienced. He prayed all the time. Matter of fact, he must have known how Jesus had prayed. Grew up with him. He was younger than Jesus, of course. There must have been some time. He, he wasn't a believer at that time. He used to make fun of him. Prayer, uh, it's not a natural thing. Now, to people who are in great need, you know, even atheists, you, you've heard of that. You know, atheists in a foxhole will pray to God. You know, you've heard that, and how true it is. It, it seems like that happens, but it's not normal for unbelievers to pray to God. They don't really need Him, as far as they're concerned. They they don't know their need. <laughs> That's the problem, isn't it? You know, I think society today teaches to be independent. You know, you are your own person. You make what you want to be. You can do it. 
And prayer actually teaches the opposite. It says you can't do it. You have to go to God. It's a total dependence on Him for everything. Your next breath, next bite of food, the water that you have. You think of everything you can think of and you realize that you're totally dependent upon Him. And if He were to just evaporate, disappear, within a split second, you'd be gone. <laughs> We're totally dependent on, on God. And that's, that's where prayer makes sense. Well, that's old camel knees. <laughs> Let's go to number two. Question is asked, is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Prayer is the encompassing instruction here. It's the right course of action. That's what we're to do. No matter the situation, in any situation, pray. And so he gives some examples. Of course, he says, hey, are you suffering? Suffering? Pray. If you're uh, cheerful, you're happy, then sing praises to God. Well, that's just another form of praying. It's just singing. And then he says, if you're sick, you know, call for the elders. Let them pray. Right? If you're, and then he goes down and, and a little bit further and he talks about um, if you committed sins, they'll be forgiven you. So, uh, every avenue you can think of. Uh, sometimes it seems that God doesn't care. He hasn't heard my prayer. Things haven't changed. I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and I keep going through this thing. Doesn't seem to happen. There's the fact of trouble in this world. And it suggests that God is uncaring, God is unknowing, He's unable to help, He's got other matters on His mind. So some people could have the tendency to pray less because of that. I have prayed, it hasn't happened, so therefore I stop praying. Well, that's not what James says here. The biblical instruction is the very opposite of praying less. The biblical instruction is when you have trouble, that's the very time to be praying. Right? Suffering. What's the word there? Kakopatheo. Patheo is dealing with suffering. Uh, It's a general um, word for that. It means something like enduring hardship. When you have hardship, and so endure it. Uh, the word can mean trouble. If you have a King James Version, I think the word might be trouble there. Uh, another word for it can be affliction. It can be calamity. Misfortune. That's some of the terms. He says, if any of those things are happening, pray. <laughs> pray. Present tense says keep on. It's persistence in suffering. Uh, and, and enduring the suffering is what the idea is here. Uh, anybody can have a bad day. We're talking about something that, that can go on more than just one day. It's an enduring affliction. And I think here the context directly is persecution. Persecution of the church. But it also can mean a lot of other things. It, it, can, mean, it can be brought on. Trouble can be brought on by relationships. Trouble can be brought on by the economy. Trouble can be brought on by political problems. Trouble can be brought on by war. Persecution. Family situations. Paul used it uh, 
in a letter that he wrote to Timothy, and he used the same word. We'll see how that's used there. That's in Second Timothy two nine. For which I suffer hardship. There's your word. Even to imprisonment. As a criminal. Paul was put in jail as a criminal. Jesus was considered a criminal. Just for speaking the word of God. But the word of God is not in prison. I may be. The word of God just keeps on going. Glory, glory, hallelujah. The truth is marching on. So what do you say? I suffer hardship. Paul used that word. Here's James using that same word. It means the same thing. Persecuted people. People going through economic problems. And the righteous people must endure. It speaks to our time. And it can mean physical illness. It can mean... Um, spiritually spiritually down that's the idea uh, we can suffer in relationships that could be sometimes we we could struggle with our boss now, this is reality this is what you call putting it into application right okay might have trouble with your boss well endure James says pray Pray. Pray about it. How about co-workers? I have co-workers you really have to deal with. What's what's God say? Pray. Pray. Um, how about parents? Pray. How about children? Pray. Some of us fight with uh, our brothers and sisters. Pray. Some of us might even fight with our spouses. Pray. <laughs> What do we do? Well, we do something that's supernatural. Because it's not natural to really pray. <clears throat> it's a supernatural relationship that you have with Father, the good, good Father. What's natural? Well, if you find yourself grumbling, you've just gone to the natural. You've gone to the flesh. And you say, I'm going to rely on my flesh to get me out of this. <laughs> and so you grumble. You complain. I might as well put we in there, right? Be disappointed. Be disheartened. Be in despair, self-pity. That is the natural knee-jerk reaction. Start complaining. Start being in despair, disheartened, self-pity, complaining. And you've just gone to the flesh. (laughs) That's our battle. We need to immediately recognize, I'm going to the wrong one. James has used this before. If you look in James 5.10, the very same chapter, just a few verses before this. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. They used God's Word. He He gave them His Word to go tell others. So, He did. He, uh, the prophets would do that. Um, we had some examples. Uh, Jeremiah. Jeremiah was told to do that. God gave him his word. He did it. 
people got tired. Got tired of the truth. <laughs> people really got tired of the truth. It was a truth that didn't like. <laughs> so that's the thing. When God's truth hits at our own sin, either we'll say, change me, Lord, or you despise it. Why is it that people want abortion so bad? It's because they want to keep doing what they've always done. It's a sin. It's a terrible sin what they're doing. The abortion and and uh, out of wedlock sex and homosexuality and lesbianism and all that stuff that goes on. They don't want to be told that. They get real angry about it, as a matter of fact, don't they? As a matter of fact, they would like to kill people. Uh, what they do with Jeremiah, well, they one time they threw him into a cistern. It was like an oil drum, a big old oil drum with... With, it was dry. There was nothing in there. But they threw him in there and you can imagine what it sounded like. I mean, he literally was like hitting the, the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> He's looking up and around. All, all I did was speak God's Word. Uh, Ezekiel, another prophet. Ezekiel had a wife. A good wife. God took away his wife. Yeah. So it says in Ezekiel, we can go back and look at it. We haven't done that before, so he really wasn't even to mourn over that death. That's a tall order, isn't it? I mean this that's real. I mean he's as human as, as we are. God had uh, a reason for that. Then the example of Hosea. God is a radical God. I mean, He goes to extremes. Hosea, I mean, this is the most, maybe the most dramatic display of grace. When Hosea has his wife, Gomer, and then she goes off and does what she does best, and that's into her harlotry, and then she's like a slave. She's bought, and he's a, I mean, she's a prostitute, and he buys her out of the condition the place where she was at, that slavery is bondage. And he bought her out of that after what she had done to him and his family. Boy, it takes grace. She did not deserve that and he got her out of that. You know what? We all are Gomer. God was like Hosea. He bought us out of that bondage that we were in. The prophets, what they do? Uh, well, they spoke in the name of the Lord. They were examples of what? Suffering and patience. 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 <laughs> patience. And prayer is what? It's, it's patience. These guys had to really wait the question is this. Is anyone suffering? It says right there, right? Is anyone suffering? Well, I think that's a pretty appropriate one. And what should be our response to this suffering? James just says it. Let him pray. Let him pray. Pro sukatho. James' reading audience, uh, they're destitute for the most part. They're struggling to get by. The daily troubles... 
They faced, this is real life for them, they were Christian refugees. You've heard about the refugees, where these are Christian refugees. They're struggling. Persecution is happening to them. It took a great deal of toll on their bodies, on their souls. James is writing at a perfect timing. And he needs to remind them of how great God's power is. We're here this morning to be reminded of God's great power. We kind of forget that sometimes. I kind of forget that sometimes. Trials. We are to seek God's aid during trial. And the way we do that is through prayer. James doesn't write us a how-to book here. <laughs> His answer is this. Oh, pray. Prayer for dummies. Prayer for dummies. That's right. All those books that come out. The, the dummy books. How to pray, right? For dummies. <laughs> exactly. We, we, you know, boy, I, I remember those books coming in. And there are a lot of really good books that are helpful. I don't cut that down. But then there's some other books. You know. <laughs> the title is kind of strange. But anyway could be helpful. He just simply says prayer, pray. It's not simplistic. It's very complex. But it's simple. Uh, To ever doubt God is doubting His power that He has. Does this always mean that we'll get exactly what we pray for? (laughs) Well, that's crazy. You guys know better than that. No. It doesn't mean we're going to get what we pray for. You say, well, how about faith? It says if we have faith, it'll it'll happen. No, it doesn't. James has already challenged to check our motives in uh, chapter 4, verse 3. You ask and do not receive. Why? Because you ask with wrong motives. So that you may spend it on your pleasures. It's just, just for your own will. You say, well... I really thought that was God's will, that He wanted the best for me, so I prayed for a million dollars. Well, keep on praying. That doesn't mean you're going to get it, does it? You could. I mean, God supernaturally can just do that, and He could say then, okay, what are you going to do with it? Now you have another test. And it's not wrong to pray for things that, you know, that we think we we need. And, and it could be very well that it is we need. Sometimes we don't know that's what we really need or he's saying, you don't need that right now. It's about the Father's will. That's what the Jesus' Son did while He was on earth. It was about the Father's will. When we're suffering, what are we to pray for? Well, here's part of the answer. When we're suffering... It certainly can be the Lord's will, and you won't go wrong with this, is pray for endurance. <clears throat> you sure won't go wrong with that. That you endure. It's difficult. And you can say, well, listen, aren't we supposed to pray for things? And even if I'm sick or whatever, am I, shouldn't I pray for healing? Absolutely. That's scriptural. Sure. Definitely. That's a big key. We should be praying for each other and pray for healing for one. But sometimes we don't know if it's the Lord's will or not at that time. But still yet seek it out. But we don't know when He's going to do that. He can use a long time. He can do it immediately. 
That's how powerful He is. We do know for certain that it is the Lord's will for us to walk closely to Him. That is what we know is always right. And if we walk closely with Christ, clinging to Him, then we're doing what He wants us to do even in the midst of suffering. And our timing, our clock is different than God's sometimes. And, you know, He has the answer. It's amazing how many times He's brought us through things. He's brought us through everything. So I I never doubt the, the power of God. But... I would like sometimes for it to be in my way. Right, yeah. Okay, somebody says, I'm in trouble. Oh man, Dennis, you don't know the trouble that I'm in. Oh, I know we're going to start singing that song. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. (laughs) You know, I just don't feel like praying. Have you ever said that? Nah, don't put your hands up because nobody will and then you're lying. <laughs> there is so much to be said about prayer. When you don't feel like praying is the very time that we need to be praying, right? So much. Uh, look in Ephesians 6.18. I think we need more power. I really do. I don't think we've arrived yet with the power that God has intended for us. Really. We pray here in church. You guys prayed all through the week before you came here. Right? Look look at Paul writing in Ephesians 6.18. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, just don't be walking down the sidewalk saying it out loud and such. It probably will attract people and they'll be making fun of you real quick. This is in the Spirit. God's Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance. There's our endurance. And petition for all the saints. Paul prayed for all the saints. You know where he's at at the time, don't you? He's in prison. And pray on my behalf. Nothing wrong with asking people, hey, could you pray for me? And you know what? I think ten times out of ten people say, yeah, I certainly will. What is it you want me to pray for? Pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the Gospel. Boy, this is a mouthful, isn't it? for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, right here in jail, with all the guards, the praetorian guards. and Right? God just, give me the boldness to speak. And Paul was actually praying for boldness, and I, he was automatically bold. That's Paul. I mean, he's superhuman. No, he's just like you. He's just like me. He says, hey, pray for me that I would have boldness to speak right here in prison. And you know what would happen if you maybe start talking about God in prison? <laughs> uh, you might get beaten even more, right? But that I could proclaim it boldly, even in these chains. Was he saying, hey, pray for me that God would get me out of jail? Not a bad prayer. That really wasn't his prayer. Wow. 
Colossians 4, 2. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I really like this one. It's really good. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Praying at the same time for us as well. There's Paul saying, hey, hey, pray for us. Pray for me too, you know. What, what did he say? That God will open to us a door for the Word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may speak it clear in the way I ought to speak. Boy, that's a good prayer. Hey, pray for me. Hey, I pray for Dennis that I would be able to make things clear that I can make it as understandable as possible. Because this is not natural for me to be up in front of people and talking about things. The things of God. I need prayer. Pray for me all the time that I would make it clear. A lot more understandable. And, and when we pray, always have that attitude of thanksgiving. Giving thanks to God. Yeah, but I'm suffering right now. <laughs> Be giving thanks. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Acts chapter 1, verse 14. I think we just read this earlier, but that uh, kind of set the pattern for the early church. These all, without one mind, were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Continually devoting themselves to prayer. Acts chapter 6, verse 4. You have seven chosen to serve people. They're like deacons. Then you have the apostles who are like elders. And he says in chapter 6, verse 4, But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Sometimes today in the churches, people want to get the, the pastors busy and get them involved in political endeavors and all the things that's going on out there. And that's good for people to, to do that. But really for people who are to be studying and Praying and such. He says, but we'll devote ourselves to prayer to the ministry of the Word. That's really what the duties are of the elders, of the, of the pastors. And uh, then endure through that. In Romans chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. For God, whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of His Son is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you, always in my prayers making request, if perhaps now at last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. There's Paul. He's been praying all along to go to Rome. He's been telling everybody he wants to go to Rome. He hasn't been there yet. I think it's been quite some time to say, well, there's an apostle. Why isn't God answering his prayers? Well, he did. But it was after some time. You say, well, if he's a man of faith, it should have happened immediately. Like, where in Scripture does it ever say that? I challenge that thought today. Who's to say when it's going to happen? It could be further down the road. It did for Paul. Not the way that he thought either. How did he get there? As a prisoner, he got a free boat ride all the way to Rome. It didn't cost him anything. Almost his life. 
and everybody on the boat, but because He was there, <clears throat> they witnessed some things. The will of God. And the will of God succeeded. Imagine Paul was getting ready to give up on it. He didn't. First um, Thessalonians 5.17 says, Praying always. Praying constantly. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. I mean, there are so many verses on prayer. We, we could be here a year reading them all and not exhausted. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, not complaining, mumbling, with thanksgiving. Everything. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Don't worry. I don't know how many times I've used this verses, uh, these verses with people who were really having a tough struggle. And you talk with them, you show that you really care for them, but there's one who really cares a lot more than, than you do. and You, you bring them to this Scripture. And, uh, this is a, a work-all Scripture. I mean, it, it's for everything. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It'll stop complaining real quick. And you start complaining again, you go right back to this. And, well, yeah, that's right. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's a, that's a good verse to memorize. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. A great couple of verses to live by. Helps get our attitude right. Second Corinthians chapter one, <clears throat> verses three and four. <clears throat> Blessed be the God and Father, who has given us trees and leaves that are coming out. And it might also cause a little bit of <clears throat> in your throat. <laughs> Blessed be God. <laughs> The Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Now catch a word here. You might have to really concentrate on what this key word is. Are you ready? Who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the what? Comfort with which we ourselves are what? Comforted by God. We could do another verse or two and it keeps continuing with that. You get the idea? Uh, you can get comforted by God's Word. First Peter 5, 7, everybody knows that, right? Cast all your anxieties upon Him for He cares for you. We know that. But it's good to be reminded He's a high priest in time of our need. Always going for us. When I feel least like praying is when I most need to be praying. Pray as Jesus prayed. Pray how He prayed. The Father's will. Lord, I'm going to pray for this. I'm not sure if that's Your will right now or not. It's okay to do that. So that's good to say. Nevertheless, Your will be done. 
We can't lose with that. Cast all those things on it. And if you're not sure, you can say, I don't know if this is what you want right now. It seems like it would be, but maybe it's not for now. Maybe it's for later. Maybe it is for now. But above all, Lord, that You be glorified and that Your will be done. You know, use me. And He likes that attitude. Plenty of Scriptures. And say, there we go again. We went through all those Scriptures. Well, the reason is, we sure have many words that we can complain by. And there are more verses to attack each one of those complaints. More verses than the complaints, aren't there? We have many words about the things that we don't like that's happening. And we have these Scriptures. We like to think as soon as we pray, everything is going to be hunky-dory. I prayed about it. (laughs) This is going to be great. I I listened to Alistair Begg this week. The... It was on this series, really, <clears throat> dealing with prayer. And, you know, it's kind of funny. He hits you right in the face, but it's kind of like with a really soft glove. You know, it's like, like that. And then you realize, man, I really got hit. He said this, okay, you have trouble? And then he says, pray. And then we like to think, trouble gone. You pray, Right? You have trouble. You pray. Trouble immediately gone. And Alistair Begg said, No, it's like this. Trouble. Prayer. Trouble. (laughs) I don't know if I'd put it quite that way, but I'm going, you know, that still can be. All right. And like I say, that's that's Alistair Begg. And of course, the way that he says things is, well, he's got that... Scottish accent. How can you lose? I would love to develop a Scottish accent. You could fill up a place with an accent like that. Lord, you can take the trouble from me. Because I realize you really could have kept this from happening in the first place. So I realize that you're sovereign in this. So you can't you can take it away because you could take it away earlier. But here's the result of that. Therefore, I have to trust you. Because I know you could take it away then, you can take it away now. I still have to trust you. One might say, you know, Lord, I really trust in you, I believe in you. Um I'd like to be delivered from this. Will you deliver me? This is another Alistair Begg thing here. And the reply might be, I won't deliver you, not immediately, but I will strengthen you if you're in trouble. I will strengthen you. Pray for endurance. If you're in trouble, you should pray. You know what? That's really all it says. How do you pray, James? Is anyone among you suffering? Pray. What? That's it? Number two. Okay, if you're not suffering, I think most of us here, I think, would be in pretty well-being times. Well, I have struggles. There's some trials in our way right now. We'll be in our way, let's say. And so we've seen the answer to that. Well, how about when things are going your way? Praise the Lord. And just keep praising Him. 
thanking him for that. Now, that sounds like an automatic thing. But it's not natural. You see, we can become complacent when things are going right. The way that it should go. And most often, have you noticed, things pretty well do that. Yeah, you know, you got to ride. This is, this is a journey, folks. This is a long journey. You're a bunch of pilgrims. And you're progressing. We don't want to be praying less when we've been blessed. Matter of fact, quite the opposite. We want to be praying more. Happiness is the very time to sing songs of praise. The word is euthamel. It means to be well in spirit. It means to have a joyful attitude. It means to be rejoicing. Cheerful. Do you have that translation? Cheerful. Hey, is anyone cheerful? Sing praises. You cheerful? Uh, it literally means to be happy or to feel good. Nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, that's a blessing. I like to be that way. Uh, happy mood. Well-being. It doesn't necessarily mean that all is going well on the outside. You know, the word joy means even though there's turbulence on the outside, everything is still okay here. As we sing the song, it is well with my soul. On your bulletins this morning, did you happen to look at the picture and what it actually says there? It happened to be one of the songs that we sang this morning as we closed out our praising and singing. Is it the first verse there? Or the chorus, chorus, as well, and that's that's rejoicing there uh, in a way. Sometimes we can get into a downright giddy situation where, you know, I mean, you're really happy and joyful, but there's a danger at that point. And one said uh, this: Alfred Plummer put it like this: the danger lies in becoming so light-hearted. We are apt to be light-headed. <laughs> we can be so light-hearted that we can become light-headed. We find ourselves sometimes so consumed with our happiness and delight and we start forgetting the greater delight of all of this, right? Lord Jesus Christ. At least in the hard times, we can definitely see our need. We can recognize that. But in the happy times, we think everything's under control. I've got it. Everything's cool. And we don't go to God in prayer like we should. One said it like this, When the sunshine beckons, you don't want to be tempted to forget about God. When the storm settles and we move into smooth sailing, we forget about the captain of our salvation. And... You know what? I think we're far more challenged with the second one in our verse today than the first one. That sounds odd. Is anyone among you suffering? You think, well, that's challenging. But even more challenging is whenever we're cheerful, things are going okay. Well-being is good. And it can be more dangerous then. Let us be warned, right? It's a true Christian. Whenever he realizes affliction that he can be driven to Christ. Life can choke us out by worries. Life can choke
choke us out by riches. We see that in uh, Luke 8, talking about the third soil. Soils, the heart. Ultimately, it's really talking about one who is not a believer. They, They say it, and then whenever the hard times come, they get out or they're the riches of the world is what they're consumed with. Now they really don't need God. They don't have a need and so they're consumed with what they have. Um, this word here, cheerful, I think is summed up in Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Paul, Silas, jail. <laughs> Philippi. They've been beaten, many blows, thrown into prison. Their feet are in the stocks. Verse 25. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing. The two words that we were saying are the answers. Paul and Silas were praying. Is there anyone among you suffering? Pray. Is any one of you cheerful? Sing. Sing praise. They were singing hymns of praise to God. This is remarkable. And the prisoners were listening to them. Now that is supernatural because usually at midnight, prisoners are not going to be wanting to hear somebody singing Amazing Grace or something like that. Yeah, right. Yeah, sure. Shut up! You know, they start banging their cups on the... Whatever. (laughs) Christians should only be in the habit of praying and realizing God's grace. Praying constantly. Giving Him praise. Heidelberg Catechism gets at it when it speaks of the Christian life as one of gratitude the offering up of both of prayers and praises because of all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And one could be, you take take an unbeliever, hey diddle diddle dee-dum, hey diddle dee dee dum you know, hey I'm doing fine, you know, I mean they got the positive upbeat. Uh, You know, anybody can sing that, you know, they can fake it, you know, and they say, oh, we've got to be positive. Non-believer may be positive, he can sing, the sun will come up tomorrow. Oh, cut that out. You know, somebody can be so positive that this is sickening. And then they're singing, I can see clearly now. <laughs> it stopped raining. and you know, That's natural. What we're talking about is something that's supernatural. Show forth these praises. First Peter 2.9 talks about. And I'm going to close on this one. Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder Consider all the worlds thy hands have made. Consider the Creator, right? I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. And seeing myself. When I think that God, His Son, not sparing, sent Him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross my burden gladly bearing, He bled and died to take away my sin. And another verse, when Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart? Then I shall bow in humble adoration 
and there proclaim, My God, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Let's pray. We sing praises to You, Lord. All is well. How great You are. That's why. We sing praises. We come praying. Your great saint, Martin Luther, said when he heard bad news, he said, Come, let us sing a psalm and spite the devil. Lord, praising You gets rid of the enemy. Gets rid of the devil every time. That's why you design songs. We can think about how great you are, how powerful you are, despite the outward things that happen to us. It gives us a sense of well-being. We're not to waste time with the frivolity of just worthless giddiness, but to make most of this and to sing heartily unto the Lord and You've given us the opportunity to do that this morning. Singing with other people that are like-minded. Singing of Your goodness and Your mercy. Singing of Your purposes and Your will. Lord, thank You for that theology that we have as we sing the hymnody. We find ourselves drawn to focus upon You and the glory and all the great things that we can't see with our fleshly eyes. Thank You, Lord, for giving us a cheerful spirit this morning as we take great delight in You. Whether we're praying, whether we're singing, singing praise, it's just another form of prayer as we pray always. Thank You for this opportunity today and as we continue on with our communion with you. Thank you for giving us comfort and meeting every need that we have. In your son's name, amen.